Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Amen. Thank you, kids. At my age, everybody's a kid. Thank you, Brother Barnes. Powerful, powerful thoughts and truths. Um, I was telling Brother Barnes something that comes up in our conversation I'm talking about with Emily and myself uh, are two words, finish well. Finish well. You've started well, and uh, I can't think of a better place for you to start. Uh, but keep your keep your eye on the prize and uh, make up your mind. I'm going to finish. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what I lose. Just finish well. I have a good friend. Some of you may know him, Brother Daryl Hurst. Pastors a wonderful church in Williamsburg, Kentucky. The last count we had, I have preached his missions conference 34 consecutive years. Several years ago, uh, when my wife Brenda was still living, uh, I commented, hey, never fish for a compliment from your wife. God gives a preacher's wife a gift for keeping her husband humble. And uh, both of my wives have had ample opportunity to practice that gift. So I commented to Brenda, I said, uh, I don't know why Brother Hurst has me come back year after year. I have, I've taught those people everything I know about missions. I've made up stuff. And, she said, well, maybe he's waiting for you to get it right. That's not what I wanted to hear. Um, and I, I think maybe Brother Bowen, that's why Brother Gray has us back here so often. Maybe he's waiting for us to get it right. This is one of our favorite places to be. We thank God for this church, the college for Brother Gray, and how God is using it. He said something yesterday I want to take exception to. He said, my life has been confined to Longview, Texas. Well, his residence may have been confined to Longview, Texas, but his life has not been confined to Longview, Texas because he has had an effect in the world over. Thank God for his influence. And what he said about visiting the mission field, oh, what, a, what a powerful thought. I, you know, I, I've been in this thing for... Since 1900 and never mind, and uh, you think you, you think after a while you've heard everything, you know, you've heard, I've, I've heard it all. No, you haven't. Nobody has. But I'd never heard that thought before. The difference that it makes for someone to visit the mission field. I think it just brings home to us how fortunate we are. And at the same time, how little we appreciate what we have 
And, and the truth that it doesn't take a lot of stuff to live a joyful life. I think sometimes we have too much stuff. I want to talk about that for just a few minutes this morning. Luke 19.10. I'll just read this for you. You don't have to open your Bible. You know this by memory. Who can quote Luke 19.10? I don't have any Starbucks cards. I don't even have any McDonald's cards. <laughs> Luke 19.10 says, say it with me, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. First Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy to be received by all that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Heavenly Father, thank you for what we have heard. I cannot think of a greater challenge than what Brother Barnes gave us this morning. Thank you so much for using him to remind all of us how important it is to stay on course and to stay on the message and not to water it down and not to be allowed to be distracted by something that might be a little attractive. And I pray you'd help us the next few minutes to maybe just kind of make some adjustments in our thinking and our perspective so that we can be more useful to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. These verses and many others describe why Jesus came into the world, why he lived. It's interesting that we know so little about how Jesus lived. The life of Christ was not defined by his lifestyle, but by his life's purpose. I do not doubt that Jesus' lifestyle would uh, be very impressive to modern-day Christians. It was very simple. It was not defined by luxury, creature comforts. It was defined by what he did, by the purpose and the reason behind what he did. The most important day in your life was the day that you were saved. The second most important day in your life is when you found out why you were saved. Luke 9, 58, and Jesus said unto them, foxes have holes, Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not lay, where to lay his head. The enormous majority of human endeavor is dedicated to the condition in which we live, how we live. The commercial world is supposedly dedicated to improve our living conditions, our quality of life, our physical comfort. Most of our family's budgets are dedicated to the way we live. And this is not evil in and of itself. As long as it does not become the reason for our existence, as long as we do not allow those things to define our lives. My life should be defined not by how I live, but by why I live. It matters very little how I live if my life does not have a why. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. The why is more important than the how. The meaning of my life should not be determined by my level of comfort, but by the things that determine why I live. The context of my life is more important than the comfort of my life. 
And in some cases, the why becomes the how. The vain, endless search for personal comfort produces profound misery. You do understand that originally the world was designed with man's comfort in mind. But man's fall altered that design to the point that we should be grateful to God that we can simply survive in the environment that our sinful nature has produced. But survive for what? Keep breathing, eating, taking up space, consuming natural resources, making bad choices, <laughs> voting in the wrong politicians. Oh, by the way, did you realize that McDonald's has a new hamburger? It's called the Biden Burger. When you order it, the man behind you pays for it. Humanity suffers more because of the coldness in the hearts of God's people than because of so-called climate change. Why do I exist? Why do I live? Philosophers have attempted to explain this since the beginning of time. I don't find their answers interesting, much less satisfying. What motivates me? What moves me? What gets me up in the morning? What drives me? What do I produce? What do I generate? What do I improve? Whom do I benefit? To what cause have I dedicated myself? How different will the world be when I'm gone because I was there? Someone said, when I came into the world, I was crying and everyone else was laughing. When I leave, I want everyone else to be crying and I want to be laughing. <laughs> One of these days, your body is going to assume room temperature. Group's kind of slow, aren't they? <laughs> That's what happens when you die. One of these days, I'm going to die. I am going to ignore that comment. <laughs> and I'm closer to it than most of you. Oh, by the way, I want to show you something. Uh, Brother Ethan, come here. I'm not going to ask you to stand up here. Just stand right here. How old are you? 25. I'm 76. I've already expired. Emily and I were flying out of Lexington, Kentucky a couple of years ago, and this was before she had her permanent Mexican residence, and we were flying back to Mexico, and the uh, <laughs> uh, we flew Delta. I don't know why I flew Delta. Uh, I flag United. Anyway, the... Uh, Delta means don't even leave the airport. Uh, <laughs> so we were, we were checking in the flight to go back home, and the lady said, ask Emily, where is your return ticket? I mean, no, where is your visa? She said, I don't have a visa. When I get to the, to the airport in Monterey, they give me a form of filling out. Well, you have to have a visa. I can't give you a boarding pass without a visa. And uh, what do you want? Oh, and so... <laughs> so and we explained that to her, and she said, well, I, I'm sorry, I can't. And so she said, what do you have? And I said, well, so I had in my passport, I have a permanent uh, residence card, green card, Mexican green card. And, uh, and she said, well, what is this? I said, it's a permanent residence card. Well, what's the expiration date? <laughs> permanent <laughs> residence card. So I... 
I have to have the expiration. I said, does the word permanent mean the same thing in Kentucky as it does in the other 49 states? <laughs> or as uh, Obama would say, the other 57 states. So, well, I have to have an expiration date. I said, put the same expiration date that's on my birth certificate. <laughs> I'm, if I'm if I'm lying, I'm, she, what did she say? Well, what is that? I said, take a look and guess. <laughs> so she put 2025. So I decided to fire in 2025. Okay, I'm, I'm almost 77 years old. Brother Ethan is 25 years old. So how much more time does he have? If I mean, if we live to 70, I mean, I've, I've already expired, but how much, how much more time does he have than I have? He has, this, he has this, it's not very good news, is it? He has the same amount of time as I do today. That's all we have. That's all we have. Thank you, Brother Ethan. Uh, give Brother Ethan a hand of applause. And by the way, no animals were injured in the pre preparation of that illustration. It's very likely that Few of the people that we consider heroes actually realized the impact of what they were doing while they were doing it. I was thinking last night when we were singing that song, and can it be, Charles Wesley wrote that. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at those words, and I'm thinking, I mentioned this to Emily this morning, what kind of a heart did that come out of? Next time you have a chance, open your hymn book and look at those words. I doubt Charles Wesley had any idea that almost 200 years after his death that we would be singing that song in a conference like this. They did it because it was theirs to do. And what made them heroes was not only the way that they did it, but the intensity and the dedication which, with, with which they did it. It was what they chose to do. It was why they did it. The risks involved in their decisions and the price that they paid in order to make those decisions. Hebrews 11.24, I mentioned this last night. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than their treasures in Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. One of the most astounding verses in all the Bible Ezekiel 24, 18, so I spake unto the people in the morning, and at even my wife died, and in the morning I, was, I did as I was commanded. That's the first sermon that I ever translated for Brother Hiles. He preached, stay and work, stay and work. Apostle Paul's testimony, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11 23 to 30, leaves the impression that Paul was little interested in how he lived. None of these men, many others that we could name, took thought for their own personal comfort or convenience, many of them their own safety. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples in Luke 12, 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. What keeps most of us from achieving not some measure of greatness, forget greatness, just 
meaning. That our lives for count for something more than just surviving is the thought that we take for our lives. We think too much about how we live and not enough about why we live. And it is not so much that we can't do what others have done, but that we are so consumed by the matter of how we are living that we do not stop to think about why we're living. And it's not a matter of living a monastic lifestyle or suffering just for the sake of suffering. Godliness is not a matter of depriving one's self of basic necessities or even reasonable comfort. First, Corinthians, First Timothy 6.17, God giveth richly all things to enjoy. It's a matter of priorities. It's a matter of not allowing the emphasis on comfort to rob us of something greater. And in the verse 6 in that chapter, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And the words of that great hymn of the faith written by that great theologian, Ray Stevens, would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? You've never heard that hymn, have you? <laughs> I don't think he would. I want to ask you some questions, or rather, I want you to ask yourself some questions. And these are my questions that I ask myself frequently to help me see clearly why I am living. Number one, in the last seven days, what did I do to improve in an eternal, permanent, or at least significant way the life of someone who is not a member of my family? I mean, this is not the, the principal theme of this message, but it would certainly include witnessing and soul winning. Matthew 5, 47, and if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publican so, be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Question number two, in the last seven days, did I take some action? Did I do something, refuse to say something, or give advice, send a note, letter, email, share something with another that would reflect the image of Christ, or that would make me look more like Jesus and less like myself. Romans 8, 28, one of our favorite verses. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, for them that are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.28 is incomplete without Romans 8.29. And all things that work together, the good that Romans 8.28 speaks of is not my personal gain and not my personal comfort. It is my being like Jesus. It is being made conformed to the image of his son. God uses everything in my life. The purpose of everything in my life is for to be me to be more like Jesus. Question number three, in the last seven days, did I do something to contribute to my own spiritual growth and or to glorify God? Second Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Our growth in grace 
glorifies God. God will not be glorified in your life until you grow in grace to the point that you don't care so much about how you are living, but, what, but by why you live. Question number four, in the last seven days, did I make an unselfish decision? Something that cost me in terms of comfort or gain or personal image in order to obey some scriptural principle? Brother Barnes said it so eloquently. This is the most important possession that you have. Don't allow yourself to be tempted to make a decision that would make you violate a scriptural principle. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a wonderful verse, but it's followed by verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take the th thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The desire to live comfortably but without purpose is the disease that plagues 21st century Christians. Life is too short, life is too precious, and life is too costly to have lived and died without knowing why one lived. One of these days, my body will be placed in a box. I hope I am allowed to be It's red, it's on. Got, okay. In other words, I'm going to die. Everybody's going to die. Um, by the way, if you attend my funeral, it's, it's not an invitation, but if you attend my funeral, uh, I, I want somebody, and so do you, I want somebody to walk by my casket and say, this man made a difference in my life. If you, if you attend my funeral, don't say something stupid. Like, doesn't he look good? I do not want to look better dead than when I'm alive. I want to look dead. And don't say, oh, he looks like he's asleep. I do not sleep in a coat, white shirt, and tie. It's none of your business what I sleep in. Reminds me of a fellow in a West Texas town. He was the he was the count the town drunk. He fought with everybody. He mistreated his family, and he died. And his brother came to the Baptist preacher in that little town, and he said, uh, "Ask him to pre preach his funeral." And the preacher almost said, "I'd be glad." He didn't say that, but he said, "Sure, I'll, I'll do that." Okay, but when you preach his funeral, I want you to say that he was a saint. He said. I, I can't do that. You know what your brother was. And he mentioned all those things. Well, I was going to give you $500, but if you don't want to do it, I'll go to the Methodist preacher. And the Baptist preacher, being a good Baptist, said, well, let's, uh, let's think about this. We'll work on it. So the day came to the funeral, the little church was full, not because everybody was sad he's died. They just wanted to make sure he's dead. So the preacher got up and he started preaching and he said, now, uh, you know what this man was. And he named all those things. And and, uh, and his brother, who had already given him the $500, started, stood up. He's mad. He said, but compared to this, his brother, this guy was a saint. I, 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 that was funny. I, I, wonder, I wonder who they're going to have to compare me to. Brother Bob, who are they going to have to compare me to to say I was a saint? Anyway, number five, 
In the last seven days, did I spend enough time reading and meditating on the Bible so as to discover at least one truth that applied to what was happening in my life at that moment in time? I want to tell you something. You read this book enough, and you will stumble across a truth that will speak to you right where you are in that moment in time. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Question number six. In the last seven days, did I pray seriously enough so as to be convinced that God had heard me and would answer my prayer? Is that just the least bit convicting to you? What well, is to me? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Number seven, and this to me is the most convicting one. During the last seven days, did I live in such a way that I would want the person I most love to follow my example in all that I did? John 13, 15, Jesus said, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Is, is that convicting? 1 Peter 2, 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Two thousand sixteen. Nineteen eighty two, June nineteen eighty two, we organized our church. October of eighty two, my son Jonathan was born. And in two thousand sixteen, um, he took the church that I pastored for thirty four years. I announced on the in January of that year, on a Sunday night, next Wednesday, uh, you're going to vote in your next pastor. There's one candidate. There'll not be another candidate. There's one candidate, Jonathan Ashcraft, not because he's my son. I did him no favors by, by allowing him to candidate for that church. You do not have to vote for him. But if you do not vote for him, if, you don't, if he doesn't get 90% of the vote, there are not going to be another candidate. I'm going to keep being your pastor, and I promise you I will make your lives miserable. <laughs> it was amazing that on Wednesday night the vote was unanimous because I think they took me seriously. I don't want to disappoint that boy. My daughter, Tammy, married, what's his name? Henry. Henry Gonzalez, been in El Salvador since 1997. 
I preached for him last September conference, and when I was preaching, uh, I said, if, if Tammy had allowed me to choose the man that she would marry, I would not have chosen him. And it would have been the biggest mistake of my life. He's a wonderful man, a wonderful father and husband, wonderful son-in-law. There are 700 men and women who have graduated from our college. 220 of them are pastoring. But boy, and I don't want somebody one of these days to walk up to Jonathan or to Henry or to one of these men and say, how's your dad? How's your father-in-law? How's Brother Asher? I don't, I don't want them to have to bow their heads in shame and say, well, pray for dad. He's selling cemetery plots. And there's nothing wrong with selling cemetery plots. It's a perfectly noble and respectable. Somebody has to do it. But that's not what God called me to do. But if I'm not careful, if I worry too much about how I'm living instead of why I am living, I will not be the example that the people who follow me need, need me to be. By the way, this is just a starter list of questions that every Christian should ask himself or herself frequently in order to be sure that his life is counting. We live so consumed with how we are living that we forget to determine or to care about why we're living. James 4.17, go to now, uh, uh, go to now you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there for a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to, to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Every life, regardless of how insignificant it may appear to us, is too precious to lose. Having a reason to live will teach you how to live. And if you have a reason to live, you won't care that much about how you live. The purpose of living is not to see how much I can take, but see how much I can give. God so loved the world that he gave it all. We so love the world that we don't give at all. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, why am I living? Why has God put me where I am? Why has God surrounded me with the people by whom I'm surrounded? Why, he has, why has he allowed me to acquire whatever knowledge I have about God and the Bible and salvation? Emily and I were talking the other day about Brother Moore. There is a great part of the heart of Daryl Moore that would like to be on the mission field. 
And I think if Brother Moore had gone to the mission field, I think God would have used him. I think he'd be successful. I think he would have been effective. But how many lives has he affected and influenced and encouraged for the mission field and for missions because he just stayed where God wanted him to be? I hope you realize who you have in the life of Daryl Moore. God wants you to come to the conclusion about why you are living, about why he has put you where you are, about why he has allowed you to acquire what you have and to know what you know. I love what Brother Barnes said. We got to make plans. Our, our schedule for the rest of this year is full. But you, you, I asked Brother Doug Calap one time, how, how does Brother Howes do what he do? How does he do what he do, what he, what he does? Before Brother Howes died, I thought there were two of them. Found out that wasn't true. And Brother Calap said he does it a day at a time. One day at a time. Take the step that you know you're supposed to take today. Let God worry about tomorrow. The why is more important than the how. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.